So welcome back. This is our, our last segment of our interview with Paul, loan salesman. And we're going to be talking about gaming industry and how it's changing, the future of it, with emphasis on VR and mobile games. So I don't know about you, but I do not play too many mobile games. The most I played on mobile is I played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and Final Fantasy VI Chrono Trigger. I played them on my iPad. I played Fire Emblem, the mobile version of that. I did play a little PUBG Mobile as well as a joke. But other than that, I, I don't play too many games on my phone, right? I I don't like it. Uh, it drains your battery. And I feel like if I'm going to play a game, I might as well play on my computer or whatever. Like if I really wanted to play on the go, then I'd get a Switch or something. Despite that, everyone has a phone, right? So someone who doesn't particularly want to get into like playing a console game or downloading stuff on their computer, they're going to play something like Candy Crush, you know, Angry Birds, whatever, right? Anything that's free to play on the app store. So um, I pulled up from 2020, the highest grossing uh, mobile games or games in general, actually. And the highest grossing games was, was PUBG Mobile, Honor of Kings, Arena of Valor, which I think are two mobile games, Roblox, which is basically another Minecraft, Minecraft clone, Arena Free Fire, Pokemon Go, somehow made money. I don't know how people spend money in that game. League of Legends, Candy Crush, AFK Arena, Gardenscape New Acres, whatever that is, and Dungeon Fighter Online. And all these games are making monies in the billions, right? With PUBG at like 2.7, which is insane compared mm -hmm. to Modern Warfare or an Animal Crossing, which averaged at around two, 2 billion. So at this point, you think, how much does it cost to make these games? And then they're free initially. And these games aren't made for like normal people. They're made for whales, you know, people who've got money, you know, Fire Emblem, for example. You know, like think about someone who's like uh, kind of like into it, but then they can drop as much money as they want because they have the money. And then most of these games are kind of pay to win, too. Or, you know, you want the cool skin and, you know, you need to drop money. After a while, when you think about it with phones, phones are computers, right? They got processors, they got RAM, they got, got everything that a computer would have, but just in a compact form. And with technology getting better and better, you know, before I would never think about having a terabyte in my phone in an SD card. Like I thought that was insane. I think it's saying it's it's insane that you can you can do that now. For current generations, it's like whatever, right? It's like standard. With phones getting better and better, before you know it, you're gonna have a phone that can run. I never thought about playing San Andreas on a, like a mobile device. For what's next, we're gonna be able to play Xbox 360 and uh, PS2, PS3 games on our phones. Like, it's almost getting to that. When your phones have that much capability, is the average gamer gonna be on a console and PC, or are they gonna be on their phone? Well, with the whole PS2 thing, that's already here, and it's it's here to stay. Um, like I know they have an emulator. Uh, for Android that allow you to play PS2 games, 
And emulation, you can use just a Raspberry Pi, which has practically no, no processing power, no RAM. You need very next to nothing memory space, such a lightweight uh, operating system that's dedicated to just playing games, retro game, uh, retro games in particular. As far as like the future of it is all concerned, people like to play on their phone just out of convenience. But for me personally, I I still love having a Game Boy game and being able to you know play it, sit down, and save any way I want and be done with it. Right. But for mobile games, they're all online for the most part. The offline mobile games that are there, they're kind of far and few in between, and they're having to go to an old version of a game, like how you said Chrono Trigger. That game's been ported. Cool. So it's easier for them to market that, get some money off of it, and then just call it a day. Who knows what happens behind uh, closed doors or whatever within the company itself because they own the IP and what they want to do. If anything, I feel like they probably look at things like how much money and how much, what are the demographics for this game? How many people actually went out of their way to go buy this game and are they willing to go and see another game in the, the franchise if it were to be, be put on mobile? Right. And that's how they can justify making another game. If not in the same continuity or a sequel. Because one game, one well, two mobile games, you mentioned Fire Emblem, and we've talked about Final Fantasy. Fire Emblem Mobile or uh, Heroes, I've spent a lot of money on that. Final Fantasy Tactics Brave Exvius, uh, I spent a lot of money on that too. And it is a grind. Like, do, do I beat anybody? Do I get anything great? No, it's just, it's literally just a time killer. Whenever it comes down to like mobile games, you have to kind of like look at it. And this is just me kind of how I look at it is that there's like two types or maybe more types. I don't know. The ones that are actually just trying to have a good time, play a story through with everything all in one package, like Game Boy Advance days. Like when, when you could pay $45 for a game cartridge and have a 60 hour plus game. You're not going to get that these days with mobile games unless you have that added aspect of them having to come back every other day, logging in, getting their disposable resource for them to level up a character, for example. Most games like that, it's like you're paying money to, to speed up the process or like I know back in the day when I don't know if you remember Farmville or Mafia Wars. <laughs> That's what kind of started it. All those Facebook games, you know, Candy Crush, you have to pay money to continue playing. Like, that's how they trick people. It's like, oh, okay, well, if you want to keep playing, you have to spend a little bit of money or you have to, you know, do whatever or invite your friend to play and then you'll get free energy and then now we got them hooked. So you mentioned can uh, Candy Crush. How much did that make? 1.6. 1.6 billion. And the That's publisher is King and Activision Blizzard, right? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm kind of curious to see like how much Overwatch has made in revenue. Because if that's the whole reason why they're not putting out anything. Dude, they don't even have any backstory for their characters yet. They haven't. I haven't heard a peep 
out of Overwatch 2. They put out something recently, but it was so... It was really downplayed. Like, I didn't see any actual action or anything like that. But the whole reason why I wanted to bring up Candy Crush is because I'm looking at that screen, and guess who's, like, right above it? Is League of Legends. Yep. With 1.75 bill. That is insane to me. Overwatch as a whole has made around 1 billion in loot boxes alone. Oh, and that's, that's, that's from 2019. So that's not even counting like, you know, actually paying for the game, but that's just like in game shit. Actually, you want to hear the latest update for overwatch two? Nope. I haven't heard anything. Their, their lead game director left the company, Jeff Kaplan. Okay. So why is that big? It's big. Cause he, he was like, he pretty much did all the develop. He was the main doing all the developer updates for regular Overwatch. And, you know, he was like he was the face of Overwatch pretty much of all the game developers and everything. So and then out of the blue, he just leaves the company with with re- leaving a note just saying thanking the developers. Didn't say anything about Blizzard in particular, but or anything negative. It's just shocking to me that. Right before they announce Overwatch 2 or when that's getting released, that their lead game director leaves. I don't know. It's it can, That's kind of like left up to interpretation because the way I would interpret that is that he's not happy with the way that it turned out at all. Well, yeah, that's what everyone's speculating is that maybe because the way Bl- the way Blizzard's been lately, like you look at World of Warcraft, the old school came out. It, you know, was received poorly. And Blizzard's response was like, you know, hey, we're sorry, you know. Oh, very insincere. Yeah, like, they're like, well, you know, it is what it is, right? You know, because it was another thing where when they were showing stuff for it versus, like, what came out of it, 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 it just wasn't great. Now, going back to mobile games, it's like, there's no risk. You can develop, put that stuff together, and then slap it on, put it on the market, have all the in-game purchases, and then... Good to go. And then you just market the shit out of it because they have money for that. So that's where I kind of want to agree and disagree. So I would agree that there is no risk. If you have that type of backing, there is a risk of a degree of risk. If you're going to be launching that shit by yourself. True. Because you need to have at least like whenever I was taking the little game developer course that I took on LinkedIn or whatever. It was saying that in order for you to start generating at least a dollar's worth of ad revenue for your game, you need at least 10,000 active players per day. Wow. Yeah. And that being the case, the way that they have the different marketing is through microtransactions, free-to-play, advertisements, and an all-in-one sale of the game. And what they found more uh, lucrative is to make it free to play with in-app purchases. Mm. Anything that has in-app purchases, you're going to be seeing more revenue. Not just for the company or the uh, the publisher, but also for the developer. And so it's just like, well, damn. The game developer and the publisher are putting this out with all these things in mind. And and it's still like a kind of lackluster game. Then what? Like, is it still going to be there? Are they, are they going to keep doing like what Skyrim did for the past 10 years and just make fucking Skyrim Monopoly and Skyrim ported to Switch? And it's it's funny you mention that because Todd Howard commented on that. People were like, how many when are you going to stop releasing Skyrim? And he's like, when you guys stop buying it. 
See? It's just a business. <laughs> it's like, if you guys keep buying it, then they'll, they'll do it. The biggest contrast I can say to that one is uh, when you looked at, the difference was, is you have to pay for that game, and then you also have to buy stuff in the game or grind really hard to get the stuff for it. So people were pissed. But in a mobile game, you can get away with that because you didn't pay for it. Yeah. So, oh, you know, well, if I play this game a lot, then like I genuinely believe, okay, if you play a free-to-play game like Apex, right? I play that game. I spend money on it because I like it. Same thing with League. When you played it, it was free-to-play. And, you you know, with mobile, it's it's kind of the same thing, but it's a little bit more manipulative. I, I think the whole system in itself is very manipulative. Yeah, you have things like power creep. And for those that don't know what power creep is, is when you buy a unit, let's just say you have Cloud Strife one one month, right? And he's a limited unit. So you buy him and he's like the strongest character in the game. And so six months goes by, then they have Halloween version of Cloud. And then he's the strongest character in the game. So that person that you just got to be spending $500 on for, you know, gotcha rolls is he's knocked down quite a few pegs because of the way that the game develops and the meta of said mobile game. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, so uh, I think if mobile games keep going in this direction, I think people are starting will start to catch on a little bit more and kind of realize like, okay, I'm just hoping that maybe mobile games will get more normalized in the future. Like to a point like, you know, when we bought Game Boy games, you know, Switch, you could say is somewhat mobile, right? I mean, uh, it pretty much is. You can play it on the go, but I'll 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 leave it at this with with mobile. I I think right now it's in a dangerous spot, and something needs to change to make it more legitimate. Because right now I just don't see it as a legitimate platform for gaming in general. Like I know there's streamers and like competitive mobile gaming. I see people buying stuff for their phones just to do stuff with it. Like you know, but. They even make certain phones for gaming. Yeah. But I, I just the way with the legitimacy and the way they're handling business, it's good for them, but it's not good for the user. So until they like kind of change that, I don't feel confident in supporting it or actively engaging in it. All right, man. What do you got to say about VR? I think it sucks. I think it's only good for porn. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, all right. All right. Well, well, well uh, I'll, I'll say this because I have a friend who's, into it and he's got all the equipment and you know he he has fun with it but for me vr is like kind of niche right it's like 3d for movies almost when that was like a hype and it still is like you see it but like do you want to pay the it's like all right it's like when you buy a game right and it's like you take a game and then going to the movies when you go to the movies it's like ten dollars a ticket to pay like you have to pay like five or ten extra to see it in 3d or 40x same thing with gaming, right? If you buy a game and it's VR compatible, you still have to buy the VR equipment. And then you have to actually have the hardware that can support it as well. Like a PC, like you got to have good specs to run VR games. Same thing with console. Like, It's like, do you want to pay that extra overhead just to kind of have that cool effect? For, for the most part, I think the most in-depth VR game, Half-Life Alex, right? That was the most well-developed game by... And they have other games like... Boneworks. Boneworks, Beat Saber, you know. My my problem is the accessibility of VR is just... 
Like it's hard for people to want to say, oh, I want to play a VR game. Well, let me set up all this stuff. I got a clear space for it. It's like when the Wii came out, I feel like the Wii was the perfect thing for anyone, right? Because you just needed a little space and then you could play. It was a good family console. With VR, you know, you got to set up everything. I don't think they have a lot. Like there's newer VRs that come out that are a little bit better, but it's like, it's just the money. It's just too expensive. I don't want to pay all that just to play a game for like 15, 20 minutes and then like kind of feel sick or maybe I don't have space for it. Or I mean, you could you could argue it's good exercise maybe or it's a more immersing experience but the people i know that are into vr really like it uh outside of that it just seems like a lot of overhead and setup for something that's like is it worth it you know yeah i can see that the only thing that would kind of make me want to go into vr is i remember i saw this scene from sword art online and it was a scene where she, someone was going to go see the main guy, bitch boy. She was like wearing these like glasses, but they were actually like VR glasses. And then some Japanese nurse like tapped her on the shoulder. She was just like, hey, you can't VR in here. And she's like, oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> and so like, I think that that's like what I think I would kind of buy into. Yeah, if it was like something super accessible. They can just pull out of your pocket, hook it up to your phone be on the way you don't even have to use your arms or legs whatever you you have your phone to like move around yeah so maybe we could see mobile and vr kind of being like if it if it somehow combined and made it more accessible maybe that could be like the future you know there's definitely a market for it and there's definitely the revenue for it so i mean i'm hoping that bigger companies are kind of taking that into consideration given all the you know upward trends in technology that we're going through like there's no reason why a computer should have 256 gigabytes of ram so yeah. what does that mean for for a fucking phone <laughs> it's like oh what is, is it's like the new standard for my phone going to be 16 gigs ram <laughs> it's like my four gig ram definitely going to be fine like i don't need that yeah unless unless i had a vr headset that would support that wirelessly and allow me to see all the fucking hentai titties that i wanted Oh my god. Yeah, because I know Galaxy had their own version of VR. It's not the greatest. It's whatever. It's it's still like accessible. Like I think Galaxy and Samsung kind of tried it, but it's not the technology is quite not there yet. So it it's maybe in the future, you know, it might be like Ready Player One. I don't know if you saw the movie or read the book. Yeah. I think that could be like a possible future, like where if games were like that, like immersive or like you felt like you could like really immerse yourself that way then maybe you know that's when vr would would be more relevant or like like you said you could just pull it out of your pocket and put it on like you're sitting on the train you think about it right i mean people are already like depriving their senses by just glued to their phones headphones in walking and talking on the phone whatever they're looking at their phone while they're walking and then getting hit by traffic or something, you know, like, mm -hmm. and you think about that, that's like, what if that happens now? Or, or you think now it's like people are on their phones, they're sitting in the same room, not even talking. They're just texting other people. Like I've seen this where people will be like, Hey, let's hang out. You see a room full of people on their phones, not even talking. What is this? I mean, you could argue that, you know, 
that you could hang out like that way. And I think that's fine sometimes. But if we bring in this whole VR situation and like, hey, hey, let's go hang out. And then like they're just sitting in a room on their VR headsets. I think honestly, that's a bit more. Well, the way I see it is if everyone were to be in a VR headset environment, I think that would allow them to be a bit more expression like uh, they would be able to show more of their expressions through virtual reality because they're not themselves, mm. you know? And I think that's like kind of a warm thought, but I can also see that being kind of an issue because on one hand, you're feeding into the ego. On the other hand, you're depriving a person from actual social interaction. So they're going to be relying on one more than the other as they see fit. And that's, that is worrisome because I don't know what kind of effects, nobody knows what kind of effects that's going to have on the psyche, on the human psyche. And... Just think of the catfish yeah. situations. Exactly. But at the same time, there's been people that have been catfish and have found love that way too. Like That's true. You know, like th there's an exception to every rule, but through and through, I would like to see all this money that's being generated through mobile gaming being put to good use. And mo yeah, mobile gaming and VR. Because VR, here's how, how th this is how I feel about VR. I feel like VR is amazing for people that actually want to make constructive tools and uses for it, like say an architect that wanted to make something in CAD, has it nice and developed in CAD, a one-to-one -one scale of the Eiffel Tower. You end up having that generated in your computer. You can use VR and go and visit the Eiffel Tower. Climb every stair if you wanted to. Now, I can see that being used to practical use of a person that wanted to make another building, but also put it into a situation where a typhoon hits, hurricane, fucking lava, whatever. Then they're going to be able to be like, oh, damn, I didn't think about this one corner of the of the building. Yeah, that is conveniently next to a lava pit or some shit like that. You know, I'm just using that as a terrible example. But right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because, uh, I mean, the U.S. military uses similar technologies for like flight simulation Great or for teaching. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they use it for pretty much give them like air sickness kind of like pretty much make them feel uncomfortable while flying like simulate oh. that effect yeah i know what you're talking about like the almost like claustrophobia yeah or just like if you're flipping around or you're or, about to crash or something yeah so but. so like oh yeah i can see that being like a really good way to help people that have those types of phobias like i was talking to this girl today about how she has a phobia of anything with wheels that she would have to like ride on. So like a tricycle, a bicycle, mm -hmm. anything, even skateboards. She can't ride them because she ended up getting like scarred really bad on like her shin. She can she can like see the outline of her bone. That's how thin her skin is. Jeez. Yeah. So like, yeah, I can I can see that being helpful for people that have gone through traumatic experiences. Like in Japan, a lot of theme parks are using VR to replace their rides too. Like it's half vr half physical it's weird like you'll be in a in a roller coaster or like i was sitting in this chair and i was like supposed to be like a flying mech so like i had the controls on my hand but the chair was moving at the same time so i thought that was cool it's cool like for attractions i can see like theme parks using it more i noticed like they've been using it a lot more austin bosch uh, our local theme park they had a vr station and then usj uh, universal studios japan they had that as well so as an attraction thing it's it's picking up yeah there's definitely a market for it and all these weird little uh niche things we've mentioned everything from games technology learning 
to you know social attraction or a tourist uh, yeah. attraction and then i could even see it being used for you know we mentioned it briefly but even for things like tinder or a dating service and the first thing that comes to my mind is tinder i mean just look at vr chat right yeah i mean vr chat is like you know that's a place i've seen so many cool clips on vr chat of people just being themselves in this ridiculous avatars running around but people are talking to people and they're actually talking about real stuff because it feels like you're in a room with people it's not like you're in a chat room where i mean i guess it's maybe a little different because you can see everyone in a room mm -hmm. and i know vr chat has like a lot of mods like they've been adding like stuff in there like i saw one of my friends streaming it was like a kraken was attacking them and they were doing like a submarine it was like almost like a little like adventure but and someone made that in VR chat. So there's a lot you can do with it. It's just not that accessible to everyone. Yeah, I would agree. It would be nice to see that at least in the 100 to $200 price range, in my opinion, because like I have friends that have like the the index and when they told me the price, I was just kind of blown away. It was like somewhere close to like a thousand dollars. And I was like, damn, like, do you use it often? And I hope so. No, they don't. They they don't like they use it maybe like once every couple of months. And that's that's the thing. I don't want to have my my money wasted and I don't want to like have something that's going to probably be outshone next year by Apple. You know, yeah, like well, there, there's that possibility always. That That's just the problem with technology in general. Yeah, anything you buy nowadays is going to be obsolete within now, even the, in the coming months. Like, you know, technology is growing faster now more than ever in any period of history. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Just give me my sex robot. It's only a matter of time until we reach singularity. Oh, fucking ex machina shit. Yeah, for sure. I think I think I'm good here we talked about all the topics we covered everything um i had fun thank you for hosting me yeah dude anytime you're always welcome you're, you're as much a part of this than uh than i am so uh, yeah yeah and also thank you to everyone that decided to stop by listen to all of this salesman where can they reach you at where do you want them to find you you can find me on twitter at the lone salesman so if you have any questions or Maybe you want to have say something about something we said, then, uh, you know, tweet me, you know, we can talk about it. All right, cool. Or maybe and, suggestions uh, for other podcasts, too. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. We kind of want to know what your thoughts are, if you have any agreements, disagreements. Yeah, hopefully I would I would love to see everyone agree with me wholeheartedly on how bad Hellblade was. <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't want to feel alone, so I want to leave you guys with that. Thanks for tuning in. See ya. <laughs>